We close at twelve on Saturday, said the blonde in the estate office. So, if you keep the key after then, please drop it back through the letterbox. It's the only key we have, and there may be other people wanting to view on Monday. Sign here, please, sir. The sir was grudging, an afterthought. Her tone was reproving. She didn't really think he would buy the flat, this seedy old man with his air of spurious gentility, with his harsh voice. In her job, you soon got a nose for the genuine inquirer. Ernest Gabriel. An odd name, half common, half fancy. But he took the key politely enough and thanked her for her trouble. No trouble, she thought. God knew there were few enough people interested in that sordid little dump. Not at the price they were asking. He could keep the key a week for all she cared. She was right. Gabriel hadn't come to buy, only to view. It was the first time he had been back since it all happened, sixteen years ago. He came neither as a pilgrim nor a penitent. He had returned under some compulsion which he hadn't even bothered to analyse. He had been on his way to visit his only living relative, an elderly aunt who had recently been admitted to a geriatric ward. He hadn't even realised the bus would pass the flat. But suddenly they were lurching through Camden Town and the road became familiar, like a photograph springing into focus, and with a frisson of surprise, he recognised the double-fronted shop and the flat above. There was an estate agent's notice in the window. Almost without thinking, he had got off at the next stop, gone back to verify the name, and walked the half-mile to the office. It had seemed as natural and inevitable as his daily bus journey to work. Twenty minutes later, he fitted the key into the lock of the front door and passed into the stuffy emptiness of the flat. The grimy wall still held the smell of cooking. There was a spatter of envelopes on the worn linoleum, dirted and trampled by the feet of previous viewers. The light bulb swung naked in the hall, and the door into the sitting room stood open. To his right was the staircase, to his left the kitchen. Gabriel paused for a moment, then went into the kitchen. From the windows, half-curtained with grubby gingham, he looked upward to the great black building facing the flat, eyeless except for the one small square of window high on the fifth floor. It was from this window, sixteen years ago, that he had watched Dennis Speller and Eileen Morrissey play out their commonplace little tragedy to its end. He had no right to be watching them. No right to be in the building at all after six o'clock. That had been the nub of his awful dilemma. It had happened by chance. Mr. Morris Bootman had instructed him, as the firm's filing clerk, to go through the papers in the late Mr. Bootman's upstairs den, in case there were any which should be in the files. They weren't confidential or important papers. Those had been dealt with by the family and the firm's solicitors months before. They were just a miscellaneous yellowing collection of out-of-date memoranda, old accounts, Receipts and fading press clippings which had been bundled together into old Mr. Bootman's desk. He had been a great hoarder of trivia. But at the back of the left-hand bottom drawer, Gabriel had found a key. It was by chance that he tried it in the lock of the corner cupboard. It fitted. And in the cupboard, Gabriel found the late Mr. Bootman's small but choice collection of pornography. He knew that he had to read the books not just to snatch surreptitious minutes with one ear listening for a footstep on the stairs or the whine of the approaching lift, and fearful always that his absence from his filing room would be noticed. No, he had to read them in privacy, 
and in peace. So he devised his plan. <laughs>